I want to continue this morning with my theme I started long ago, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. It is so important that we understand what Jesus did. And if we do love the Lord Jesus, we just want to know more about Him. And so do I as well. And I want to preach this morning on that theme, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, shortcuts in the temple. Shortcuts in the temple. We know what it means, a shortcut. That means you don't have to go all the way around or whatever and say, well, I know a shortcut. Are there any shortcuts with God? Are there any shortcuts with God? And Jesus came to the temple and he saw so many shortcuts. And I want to speak this morning about the shortcuts in the temple then and the shortcuts nowadays in many, many churches. There is no shortcut to heaven. Everything has to go over Calvary. And you have to meet Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And that's important. So this morning, I'm going to read from Luke 19, the verses 45 and 46. Luke 19. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling, saying to them, It is written, And my house shall be a house of... Anybody knows the Bible? My house shall be, shall be a house of prayer. But you have made it a robber's den. In order to get a clearer picture, let's go to Matthew chapter uh, 21 and the verses 12 to 17. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. Could you imagine that scene? Jesus comes in a temple and there are tables being set up and others are there with money, counting the money and so Jesus comes and he pushed it the table over and all the money is all everywhere. And people might have gotten very angry. But Jesus, he was angry in his spirit. How can people at all make a house of God, a house of merchandise? And if it was then so, it's nowadays too. Perhaps there are churches they're more interested in money than getting the message of Jesus out that everybody needs to be born again, otherwise no one will see the glory of God. I am the way, Jesus said, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And these words are very important. Now I want to continue to read in Matthew chapter 21, verse 13. And he said to them, It is written, My house 
shall be called a house of prayer, but you, have, you are making it a robber's den. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, I was amazed when I read it. Aren't you amazed? The Pharisees, whatever Jesus did, they had to criticize it. But here they didn't criticize. They say something when they saw the wonderful things Jesus did. In other words, they might have thought, wonderful what Jesus is doing. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. There was a little thing they didn't like with Jesus. Jesus couldn't care less. He came to do the will of the Father. Amen? Hallelujah. Blessed is every preacher and every pastor who couldn't care less what people say. But if they do the work of God, preaching the gospel, uh, preaching Jesus, they are doing well. And said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. Hallelujah. Now they didn't understand Jesus at all. They didn't understand it. In one way they saw what Jesus did and all the wonderful things that the blind and the lame came and they were all healed. They saw these things and then there were children and we are so glad that we have children here in the church. Amen. God bless all the children who are here in the church. And I hope for nobody is like these Pharisees. To any of them. I hugged my little friend Andrew already. And he was standing here with a mic in the hand. Somehow my kids are attracted to a mic, isn't it? Have you realized that? Give a kid a mic, they are happy. And I said, Andrew, the time might come one day. When you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you might stand because before the congregation and lead on the congregation in songs. It was in my heart. I, I spoke it in my heart to him. Maybe. I might be in heaven already when he is grown up. I don't know. But if he loves the Lord and serves the Lord, don't hinder him. Don't hinder anyone who wants to serve the Lord and has given his life totally in the hands of the Lord. Jesus loves children. Amen. And he loves me too. Glory to God. I was loved by Jesus when I was a child. I was 30 years when I gave my life to the Lord. Hallelujah. And it was so wonderful. I remember once when I was a little bit older and I went to door knocking and uh, we handed out tracts inviting people to church or to a tent mission. Do you know what tent missions is? Anybody, 
Any idea about tent missions? Hands, hands up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So I invited people to tent mission, and I came to a house. I was then a young man, perhaps uh, uh, 17, 18, and so on. And this lady looked down to me. You didn't have any sins, did you? So yes, I told her I gave my life to the Lord Jesus when I was 13 years of age. Ah, no, you didn't have any sins. What would she know? I knew exactly that even with 12, 13 years, I was a sinner and the Spirit of God showed me clearly I am a sinner. And that's why I gave my life to Jesus. Don't believe what people say about you. No, 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 you're a good guy. I told you once the story of one of our neighbor in the factory. And he once brought uh, the, the mail. The mail is right in front from, from an alley that goes down. And we are right in the bottom. And he brought the, the mail to us. And we said, thank you very much. Oh, I do it for people like you. You are so good people. Tony, Richard, and I, we had a hard time to explain it. We are not good people. We are bad people because we are sinful people. Because without Jesus, we are nothing. We are bad. You are a sinner. But with Jesus, you become a child of God. Amen? And that's what it means. Born again. New life out of Jesus. Don't believe what people tell about you. Neither if they tell bad things about you, and you know the Lord has cleansed you, don't believe them. Believe what the Bible says. Now we are what? Children of God. Now we are children of God. And it's not been revealed as yet what we are going to be, but one thing is for sure. We are going to be like Jesus. Anybody who is here who is going to be like Jesus, let me see your hand. Yeah, it's me. I, I want to be, and I'm going to be like Jesus when He appears. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I have to come to preach my sermon this morning. Jesus came to the temple. And it's very interesting to understand what it was. When he came there, he saw all these money changers, and he saw all those who wanted to sell um, something, or sold actually a lamb or a sacrifice. These circumstances in the so-called Herodian temple turned from bad to worse. You know the temple Jesus was in, and people came to, was a temple that was built by Herodes, or Herod actually by Herod. And it was built 46 years long. And Jesus said in the beginning of John, he said, okay, turn or break this temple down and in three days I will raise him. And he said, huh? Didn't you know this temple has been built and used uh, to have 46 years to finish it? And you will do it in three days. But we read a little sentence. 
When you read the Bible, read everything. Even that little sentence that is in brackets. He spoke of the temple of his body. In other words, he said, well, you will crucify me. You will kill me. But in three days, this my body, my temple, is going to build up again. Hallelujah. Now Jesus came to this temple. This Herodian temple, as I said, things that went on there went from bad to worse. But there was a promise of the temple one Solomon built. And do you know the Solomonian temple? It was built, and we read about in Second Corinthians chapters, uh, Second uh, Chronicles, not Corinthians, Second Chronicles chapter seven, the verses thirteen and fourteen. And God sat there and made a promise to Solomon: If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain. If there's no rain and if there was no rain in Israel, it was because God shut up the temple. We don't get it nowadays any longer, do we? If there's no rain, people don't understand. It could be something to do with God, our relationship with God. Could it? Could it? Most certainly. Most certainly. And God said, if I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send a pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, listen, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will hear from heaven. That's what God said. Because the temple was a house of prayer. And if my people after all these things, I did to them no rain, no harvest, and no this and no that. And then if they who are called by my name will humble themselves and come and leave their wicked ways, and turn from the wicked ways, and pray, then I will hear from heaven, and forgive their sins, and heal the land. Hallelujah. If these things happening, as we heard on Friday night, in the prayer meeting here in Australia, horrible, horrible, horrible. That the homosexual issue is going to be driven into the schools. Almost forced upon the children. Can you imagine that? And if there's no rain, do you want to know why? These are things who matter before God. And there's only one way that we forsake our, our uh, sinful ways and turn to God and ask for forgiveness, then He will forgive their sins and heal the land. Hallelujah. That was happened in the Old Testament. And we understand very clearly God used a prophet. And what was his name? John? 
His name was Elijah, like your little son. Elijah. And listen to this preacher, Elijah. He ch- challenged the people and said, Now listen, if God is, is God, why don't you serve Him? But if Baal is God, serve Him. And the people were quiet. They were undecisive. They didn't know what should we do. They knew exactly if they want to have rain in Israel. Then they had to turn away from Baal, from all the sinful ways. They had to turn to God. And that's what actually Elijah wanted. And he spoke and somebody said his word was like a torch. Shining hell. You couldn't miss Elijah in his days. Neither could you miss in his, in his days John the Baptist. I like these two men somehow. And in the Bible we see a linkage between them. Both had to handle a wicked queen. Is that right? Both had to handle a wicked queen. But his word was like a torch. And he said, if Yahweh is God, serve him. But if Baal is God, serve him. And the people were quiet. And John the Baptist, he was a similar caliber of preacher. If the chance would be there, that we could get a preacher like John the Baptist. And I have a little bit of feeling there is somebody around. A man, a Baptist preacher. What is his name again? Paul Washer. I'm not glorifying this man, but you should listen to him. If you can go on the, new, uh, on the tube, or YouTube. Yes, you know these, these little computers? And type in Paul Washer. Perhaps there, there's a sermon. I tell you what, this man is full of the fire of God. Although a Baptist preacher, but full of the fire of God, full of the Spirit of God. Listen to Him. Only a preacher who loves the Lord and the Word of God can get excited when you listen to Him. I got excited. Ellen and I, we watched Him one evening. said, Oh Lord, isn't it wonderful? And so He's a kind of John or Paul the Baptist, I would call Him. Paul the Baptist and he preaches the word of God fire and brimstone I know, I know we don't like it I know people want to have soothing words they like to have you're all good, you know you're a good guy and you're a good lady, you know you always come to church and you are, well, you're a businessman and you always give your tithes uh, 100% and uh, so because of your ties, we have a church. Forget about. Forget about. That's not what God wants. 
God wants men on fire for God who could tell the word of God and speak the word of God and believe the word of God. Hallelujah. I, I was excited. Asked my wife, she was there when I listened. Yeah, a man of God, Paul Washer. And may the Lord bless him wherever he is and wherever he preaches. Now, when Jesus came to the temple, things were so disastrous. We have to understand the Herodian temple was built in that way. It had many little stables and many for, for all the cattle and the sheep. They were incorporated already for the people. They could buy their sheep, their sacrificial sheep or, or a bull or whatever, there at the temple. And uh, so it was underneath the temple. Everything was there. You went to the temple as long as you have a little bit of money. Of course, the bull and the sheep, the sacrificial lamb, you were supposed to bring. And every, every Israelite should never come empty-handed before God. And I know many money-grabbing, connivers, TV preachers say, see, you should never come empty-handed to church. No. God meant something different. He meant, when you come to the temple, you have to have something to sacrifice. Jesus was poor. And Mary and Joseph, they were poor. And they had to bring a sacrifice. What did they sacrifice? What was it, eh? Dove. That was a sacrifice for poor people. And look at Jesus, the man of God or the Son of God. Jesus Christ, how he worked. Now, this, God says it should not come empty to the temple. Empty-handed. And that meant, actually, they should bring a sacrificial lamb or sacrificial animal to the temple. It was shortly before the Passover. And everything was in high gears. Because the Passover was one of the greatest celebrations amongst the people in Israel. Everybody had to come to the Passover. And people came from everywhere. And finally somebody came up with an idea. It's too hard for you. It's too hard for you. Do you know this, this sentence? It's too hard for you. That was the old Jeroboam sin surfaced again. There was this king after the kingdom of Israel was divided, there were two um, tribes in the south and ten tribes in the north. There was a northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin. And after Solomon, the kingdom was divided. And Jeroboam, he said, now listen, because all the, the new, they had to go down to Jerusalem. And that was the area from Rehoboam, the king of Judah. 
And he said, well, no, 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 no. I don't want you to go down there to Judah, to the temple. That's the area where the other king is in charge of. And he was scared that he would lose members. He was scared he would lose members. Maybe you might move down. That's my word. Down to Judah in order to be there at the temple. I have got some idea. It's too hard for you. Imagine you come all the way from Galilee up there off of Nazareth and you have to go down to the temple and bring all this your sacrificial lamb with you. The travel and all the problem you had. No, we do it different. And he said there, and get it in your Bible first, first King twelve twenty eight. So the king consulted and made two golden calves and said to them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods that brought you up from the land of Egypt. This king wanted to have the people under his rule. It's to have done go all the way to Jerusalem. But God said they should go. God said they should come to Jerusalem on a day of Passover. Every Israelite had to go. It is too hard for you. Whenever you hear something like that, people say, well, it's too hard to serve the Lord Jesus. And Pastor Werner and Pastor Gary, they're preaching too hard. They're preaching against sin. And they're preaching, if you live in sin, you'll go to hell. Is it right? Pastor Gary, are we that hard? Are we that hard? No, the Bible says it. Oh, it's too hard. It's too hard. No, it's not. And that's why this sin of Jeroboam came up again. No, no, we want, want to make it easy for you. You can buy actually your sacrificial lamb here at the temple. And Herod had this idea, and that's why he made stables for all the animals to be kept there when the Passover came, that people can come and buy. As long as you have your checkbook there. That's important. This book is important. Amen? Hallelujah. You can come to this church without a checkbook. Amen? Is it right, Pastor Gary? Yes? People can come to the church without their checkbook, but get your Bible and check out what we preach, whether it's in the Bible. And if it's in the Bible, believe it. Believe it with all of your heart. Now people say, well, it's too hard. Nowadays, that what, what, what's been preached in our church is far too hard. No entertainment, world entertainment, no dancing, no rock music, no movies, no alcohol, no dinner and dance. It's too hard, it's too hard. If you run around in a weekend in all these movies and theaters and stuff like that and seek your entertainment there, you are wrong. You are wrong. You have to come and leave this thing and come to Jesus. That's the only way. 
The Lord put it in my heart to preach it. Now this is the sin of Jeroboam. Idolatry. It's too hard. No, no. Don't take it so serious. Pastor Gary and Pastor Werner, they're too serious. I'm afraid I'm not serious enough. One day you will stand before the throne of God. And if you miss to preach things you're suffering by because of not giving up the world and worldly pleasure and not going to heaven, you might point at me or Pastor Gary and say, they never preach it. I never want to stand before the throne of God that anybody in this congregation this morning could say, Pastor Werner, you never preached about it. That's why I preached it this morning. I don't want to have any guilt on my hands. It's too hard for you. Imagine all the way from Galilee up there, northern Israel, bringing us sheep along. And, and all the, the trouble you have, the sheep is wandering up and you have to, have to bring it back and, and lead it. It's too hard. It's too hard. Don't believe it. They are churches. They preach a softer gospel. Let them preach what they want. The Lord placed me here. And I preach what the Lord says to me. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They say, no, we provide for everything in the temple. That's a typical church that says, we do cater for the people. Some people say, well, that church is not catering for my need. What sort of need do you have? If you, if you have need and desire to live in the world and like to go to rock stuff and, um, and all that cinema and stuff like that, I tell you what, if that is your need, we certainly do not care or do not cater for your needs. We cater, we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Freedom from sin and for the power of sin. Amen. That's, that's the gospel. Yeah, well, the church is catering for my needs. People have had the idea as if a church is a catering business. If you want to have a catering business, you can call them up and they come and bring you food and stuff like that. Now, what happened? Cheap grace in the temple. Cheap grace was offered. You understand the word and the term cheap grace? Yes? What is that? What is that? No, no cross. Cheap grace is no cross. Yes. What are the signs of cheap grace? Now, I, I want to mention something. When sin is not considered as grievous as it is to God, that is cheap grace preaching. Oh, well, God loves you anyway. God loves you anyway. Don't worry. God is gracious. God is so good. 
Sin must be grievous to us as it is as grievous to God. Amen. Do you understand what I mean? If anybody says, well, don't worry, it's not that bad. It is that bad. If we do not walk in His way. Or if people declare sin as just making a wrong decision, a bad decision. No, sin is not just a wrong decision, a bad decision. Sin is what? Rebellious against God. Rebellion against God. Or some people say, oh, well, when a sinner prays the sinner prayer after me, without repentance, no sinner's prayer will save anybody. You understand it? Without repentance, a pre-spoken sinner's prayer does not save anyone. But if there's anyone is crying out in his heart, Oh God, forgive me, cleanse me. Oh, read Psalm 51. David, how he was crying out to God. Forgive me. Forgive me. And God will forgive our sins. John the Baptist, he required from those who came to him and wanted to go also into so-called religious stuff, you know. And let's read it here. We read it in chapter uh, 3, Matthew. Verse 7. And I, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore, now listen to this word, therefore, bear fruit in keeping with what? With repentance. Repentance is a word hardly being preached nowadays. John the Baptist said, Well, what do you want here? Do you want to be baptized? In other words, Oh yes, we are the Pharisees, you know. We are the ones who are in charge of religion. He said, Well, who has asked you to Flee from the wrath of God. If you want to be baptized, remember the baptism of John the Baptist was a baptism for repentance. Now you must repent and do works for repentance. Cheap grace is too expensive at the end. Let me put it this way. If you think you have been saved by cheap grace, it's too expensive at the end. Cheap grace costs you your life, your soul. And you will end up in hell with cheap grace. And that's too expensive. Your life is too expensive to fall into the trap of cheap grace. You understand what I mean? Yes? You lose out on life. And the Bible says clearly... What will a man profit if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? 
Or what will he a man give in exchange for his soul? That means cheap grace, people just so-called saved by cheap grace are not going to heaven. They will be so disappointed. They will find out they were playing on fooling around with the grace of God and the love of God. They will find out it's too late and your soul has been forfeited. What can you do then? There's nothing else. There's no other preacher with cheap grace. The full consequence of condemnation will hit you. Cheap grace leads to licentiousness. Jude spoke about. I, I wish many a preacher nowadays should read the book Jude. And it says, Jude, verse 4. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. That's in the Bible. You understand? It's in the Bible what I'm reading. It's not my ideas. It's in the Bible and Jude, Jude said it. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long before had marked out for this condemnation ungodly person who turned the grace of our God into licentiousness, into wantonness, the Bible says, and deny our only Master, Lord Jesus Christ. It was then in the early church. People might have said, well, you are too, you're too black and white. You're too black and white. And people can say, no, no, no. Don't, don't take it that serious. It's not that bad. At the end, God is love. Anybody heard this preaching? God is love. These are people that are coming to church living in gross sin. Even homosexuals become music directors. That is what cheap grace produces. You understand it? Cheap grace produces homosexual music ministers in churches. I tell you what, the grace I'm living on is very expensive. Anybody here? Also, who was saved by a very expensive grace. I was saved by a very, very expensive grace. How expensive was it? What? Yeah, that, the life of Jesus. It pleased God to do these things to Jesus for our sake that we might be saved. That is expensive grace. That's why I don't want to play around with grace and fool around. In the temple, these people were actually emanated to live under cheap grace. Don't worry. You don't have to bring your own little sacrifice, sacrificial lamb. I know it's very hard to bring it all the way up from northern Israel 
down to Jerusalem. It's too hard. It's too hard. You can't expect it from people. You can't expect it from people to say no to sin. Yes, we must say no to sin. You can't expect it from people to give up everything if Jesus said it very clearly. He who wants to follow me and does not give up everything, he cannot be what my disciple. Either you are a disciple or you're not a disciple. Cheap grace produces all these things. I was amazed about the Christmas time. There's a church, there was a church in London affiliated with a church here in, in uh, Sydney. And they sang this song, Silent Light, Holy Night. In a, uh, what was it again? Uh, in a style of a nightclub. You know? There was a girl with a short, uh, short uh, dress and she was taken up uh, by two guys or three guys and handed around and they were singing on the stage and she was singing Holy Night. You know what it is? Abomination. Abomination. And then you will and then you wonder why Christianity has no power. They did it then. And they are doing it today. It was then, and it's been done today. Now, there was a desecration of the temple. Desecration on holy place will not finally only come through the Antichrist. And we know the story, you know, when he will set himself in a temple and declares God. No, no, it's happened now. Desecration in the house of God. God is serious with His church because He gave the life of His Son for this church. He loves the church so much. So much. Yesterday, yeah, Ella started out a little bit in my office. Uh, I'm happy to have Ella. <clears throat> if I've got a nice tie because of Ella, and all these things. If my office is nice because of Ella. And she was uh, uh, getting out many things, you know. Um, and all of a sudden I got a, a pamphlet from uh, Stanley Frotsham. Stanley Frotsham was a man of God in the States many, many years ago. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it was in the Welsh Revival. And he prophesied something. This is a prophecy. And we read a few prophecies about our time. People who lived long before. And he prophesied. After the pouring out of the Spirit of God, which actually was in the Welsh Revival so powerfully. 
there will be a time of darkness and the judgment will start in the house of God. Do you read it somewhere in the Bible? The judgment of God will start in the house of God. That means those who have been called by His name have to humble themselves and repent and bring their life to Jesus and live with the Lord. Now they were turning the the temple, the house of prayer, into a business. And Jesus said in, uh, in John chapter 2 verse 16, Stop making my father's house a place of business. Stop making my father's house a place of business. Can we have it here? John 2.16 I think it is. Stop making it my father's house a place of business. It was actually profiteering on the blood of the Lamb. People have said, well, it doesn't matter, we we bring it from all the way from north, northern of uh, Israel down to Jerusalem, if we can buy it directly there. It's easy. And the outcome is the same. This lamb will be slaughtered and my lamb will be slaughtered too. But there's a vast difference. God wanted the people to teach a lesson. And the lesson was this. That wonderful lamb, firstborn lamb, children loved it. Have you ever seen a little lamb that big? It's a lovely animal. You can hug it. So cute. And it was running around. The kids got used to it. And then the day came where they went on to Jerusalem in order to bring this lamb as a sacrificial lamb to Jerusalem. Oh, Dad, you can't do it. It's the firstborn. Moses ordered it and people grew together with this lamb. They grew together. You, you can grow together with, with nice animals. Especially lambs. I like lambs. They're so cute. Their ears are so nice, cute. Nice and cute. And this father, this lamb you will sacrifice. We got all used to it. I love it so much. Yes. God told us so. The love of God is so strong. Now they have to understand, they have to give their best. That's what they love most. And that's what God did in Jesus Christ. He gave His only begotten Son. And gave Him for you and for me. Hallelujah. Many are turning a church into an entertainment center. It's so important that we understand why are we here. Now, this church 
affiliated with a church in Sydney in London. I wanted to see it a second time. They took it off the tube. You can't find it anymore. Why? You guess why. Took it off the tube. Can't find it anymore. Why? It's blasphemy. Blasphemy. And one thing after Jesus came and cleansed the temple, something happened. Hallelujah. And verse 14, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. And something, what did Jesus do? He healed him. Hallelujah. He healed him. And the blind and the lame came to him into the temple and he healed them. There's power if we take God's word serious and understand my house is a house of prayer. And there where is prayer, God will reveal himself. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you understand now shortcuts, shortcuts in the temple? There are no shortcuts to heaven. It goes all the way via Calvary. If you never have been at Calvary, you won't make it to Zion's Hill. You won't make it to heaven. That's what teaches us this. And Jesus said, you made my house a robber's den. Heavenly Father, I thank you. And this morning, Lord, I deliver what you gave me. I pray, Lord, that many, many a brother or sister, Lord, might be pierced by your word into their hearts. I pray, Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here this morning still playing with the grace of God and thinks on Sunday God will forgive my sins again. It's not that easy. God requires repentance and breaking with sin. If you live in sin, and think on Sunday morning going to church, God will forgive me. You are wrong. You are wrong. God wants our real repentance and turning away from your sinful lifestyle. Oh Lord, now I leave it into your hands. I don't know why I had to preach this morning this way. Father, I pray that you do your work by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. And if you sense the Spirit of God is knocking at your door, please, Talk to me, uh, Brother Gary or Brother Colm or so. Yes, now.